All right. All right, all right. Good morning. Oh, man, I'm excited. All right, everybody get settled in. Tell the person next to you to get settled in. Tell them for the next three hours, I don't want to hear nothing from you. Come on, because I want to get in a word. I want to hear some word. Amen. I need something to, to fill my soul. I need something to fill me up. I need something to keep me going. I don't need to hear it from you right now. Tell them. Amen. Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you for this time. We thank you for what you've already done. We thank you for your love in this place. Continue to let it pour out on us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we issued a challenge last week, the TSF Love Challenge, right? And, and before, before I deal with that challenge, there, there's a bunch of challenges that I've been nominated for throughout the years, you know, on, on Facebook. And there's a bunch of challenges out there that have tagged me and have done things. And so I figured if I wanted people to respond to the TSF Love Challenge, I'm going to have to kind of fulfill those challenges that I've been nominated for. Amen? Is that fair? So what I did was I hired professionals this morning to take care of all of my challenges. So, so I got challenged for um, uh, the, the, the 100 push-ups, the 100 sit-ups, and the 100 squats. So I hired professional push-uppers, sit-uppers, and squatters. And you guys go ahead and just start doing that right now. Let's go. Let's, come on. Let's encourage them. All right. And you know, the happy for 100 days. Remember that? Everybody been challenged for that one? Be happy for 100 days and post, you know, why you're happy. I hired my daughter. She's a professional happy person. And she's just going to be happy for the next 100 seconds to fulfill that. I got some dancers from the dance team in the youth ministry. And so they're going to they're gonna, um, hit that running man challenge. Go ahead and give them some music. There it is. There it is. All right. So I got that out of the picture. Amen. So now, you know, there was the ALS water challenge. Please take a seat. We're going to set up for that. And um, there was the ice water challenge for ALS. And, you know, I did get nominated for that. And so we're going to go ahead and fulfill that if that's okay. Because I want to make sure I make good on all the challenges. Amen. You ready? You ready? Nah, you don't have to do that because I already, I paid online, so I don't have to do the ice water. I donated. Thank you. Thank you, though. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You could, you could running man yourselves right off the stage. Amen. Oh, and there was one more challenge to post the picture. Post the picture that shows that you're happy that you're a dad and, you know, post your picture to prove, well, there's my picture. There's my babies. <laughs> amen, amen. Now we got all the nonsense out the way. The only challenge I want to be concerned about right now is the challenge that we read last week in Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Amen? See to it, man, that's, I don't know about you, but that's been heavy on my heart. See to it that nobody misses the grace of God. If you're just joining us, welcome. Welcome. If you're here because you were challenged last week to experience the love of God at TSF for three days, congrats on day one. Come on, congrats on day one. We are so glad you joined us. It's a setup, but I'm going to talk about that later. Right now, we're deep, we're deep in a series that we started back on Easter. And the, the awesome part about it is even if you missed all of those weeks, you're still able to join us right where we are right now. Because all we're doing is following the apostles' life throughout the Word. Amen? We're following the apostle Peter's life in his walk with God. And I chose Peter because Peter's not some biblical superhero that we can't relate to, Right? Peter's, Peter's nonsense is all over the scriptures. All his dirt is listed for us to read like, like it was TMZ. 
Right, everything is on there. It's like, hey, do you know, you know, this guy who was challenged by a teenage girl to if he knew Jesus and he denied it. Sources say he denied it three times. Like all his junk is on right on there, like TMZ. And so, if God could do some things that he did, if if God could use Peter, after all the some of you know some of the crazy things that he did and some of the times that that he let it down, I'm excited that God could use some of us. Amen. So we've been following Peter through the scriptures. We can be encouraged this morning. We've been allowing the word to speak to us wherever we follow it. And we've, we've already followed him through the gospels. We followed him into the book of Acts. And we've seen the dramatic difference that the spirit of God has made on the character of Peter. Because Peter now, and when we read about him in the book of Acts and, and in, in, the, in the books that he wrote, 1 Peter and, and, and 2 Peter, when we read about uh, um, him now, when we hear him now, he's, he's not the same Peter from the old, you know, from the old way. He's, he's filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? And so we see here a different, a different character. He's filled with that same Spirit that's promised to every believer the moment you believe. This could be your first time in church. And, and you might have even come because of some dumb Facebook challenge. But whatever God used to bring you here, how many of you know you did not surprise God by showing up? It's been a setup. I, I remember when, when my, my wife and I, we were barely 20 years old, and, and we made a deal with God. We were barely 20, so that was like, you know, five, six years ago. Like, alone. And, and so I made this deal with God. And, and we had like a situation happen and, and we were scared. And so we, 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 we sat in the back of a bus that was heading to Atlantic City. So we had a three-hour, you know, we were going to go study the Bible in Atlantic City. And um, we weren't Christians. Relax. Don't judge. So, so we were on the back of a bus. And on the back of that bus, we prayed. We said, God, if you take care of this one situation, we'll go to church on Sunday. That's how crazy, and that's how good the grace of God is, that God didn't blow up the bus immediately, but, but that he heard us. And so God took care of his part, and that Sunday we went to church. And that Sunday, listen, I'll tell you, I don't remember any song they sang. I don't remember any message that was preached, but I know that I know that my wife and I both experienced the love of God. And before the service was over, we both found ourselves at the altar, cry, maybe crying, I don't remember. But we had, we had, we we responded to the love of God, amen. And and let me let me tell you this: that was my first time in a Christian church. I had come from Catholicism, I had come from Santeria, from Espiritismo, and and I don't remember anything that happened that day. But the love of God changed my heart, and I never left that place again. We were in that same church for 15 years, growing and serving and 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 in ministry until we left there to start this church. And so the reason for this challenge is I saw so many people on Facebook taking challenges. Like people would do some dumb things just because somebody dared you, right? It's almost like you're, you're back in grammar school. Like I dare you to, to do that. And you're like, oh, okay. I double dare you. Well, if, I, if you double dog dare me, then I have to do it, right? And so I see that so many people responding to challenges. I said, man, we should just challenge people to come to church. I figured, let's challenge people to come to church. And so, to be honest, let me just, you know, because I don't like to be any manipulation or any kind of trickiness. This whole thing was a setup. The whole point is, we wanted to get you in the church, to get you in the building for three times, just so that you would experience the love of God. Because we trust the love of God so much that we know that if you experience the love of God, this challenge could change your life. Amen? So don't get mad because we tricked you. And before you leave here today, trick somebody else. Let's do, nominate somebody else. Challenge somebody else with the love challenge. Amen? I believe, listen, I believe God loves us enough to set us up to encounter Him. But do, do you believe God's love is that, is that great? Do you believe God, that you, there might be two or three people that raised their hands here today that were here for the first time, maybe because of the challenge, I don't even know. But do you think that God loves us so much that God loves those one, those two, those three people so much that he would set this whole thing up just to get you to encounter the love of God. 
I firmly believe, I believe it with all my heart. Amen? See, when I think about everything that God's done, that when I think about the whole holy setup, the way God has set everything up, I, I get amazed, man. I get blown away that the God of the universe has prepared all of this in advance for you and for me. See, before man was created, the perfect environment had to be formed on the earth, right? Before man was, was able to, to live anywhere, we, we haven't found this kind of atmosphere in, on any other planet in the galaxy. It only exists here. And the greatest minds in science still cannot explain how it all came together. Amen? Although they have come to, to, this, to some agreement that, that the earth always wasn't, it wasn't always here, it, it had a beginning. Even the greatest minds in science believe that there was a beginning. Now, they don't know what it was, but they know 100% that it wasn't God. They, they tell you there's a first cause. We don't, can't explain the first cause, but we know for sure it's not God. So one explanation is a giant explosion. How many of you heard the Big Bang? Right? And, and the Big Bang is an incredible theory. It's beautiful. It's out of this random explosion, boom, things collided. The moon, the star, the whatever, everything, planets collided and everything fell into perfect place from an explosion everything somehow the land and the sky they separated and they formed and somehow through random mutations life giving fruit bearing plants and trees they grew and and somehow the color blends on a flower by accident how many women love flowers Right? They're, they're, aren't they amazing? Like, I don't, I don't want to sound suspect, but, but I look at flowers, man, and I get blown away. They're so beautiful. They're, I love them. They're beautiful, right? The, the color blends on a... It's, like, it's, it's almost like somebody created them. It's almost like somebody painted them and blended them like a, like a tattoo, amen? And, 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 you know, but somehow that, the, the Big Bang explains that that happened by accident. And the colors on a bird and the colors on a fish. Man, I could sit in a pet store and experience the love and grace of God. Sometimes I feel God, I say this all the time, sometimes I feel God more in a pet store than I do in church. Uh-oh. Because you, you, you look at these, these little fish that mean nothing to us. They, they cost a dollar. They cost $10. Or, or unless, you know, you got a fancy tank, they cost $40, $50, $60. But still, that's nothing, right? And, and, and you, you, just the way and, and by, by a series of random mutations over millions of years that those things were just formed out of nothing. It's an amazing theory, right? And then, and then the best part, I love this part the best. It, all of a sudden, the atmosphere just happened to set itself up to auto-climate. It, it set itself up to 78.09% nitrogen, 20.95% oxygen, 0.93% argon gas, and 0.039% carbon dioxide, which just happens to be the perfect environment for life. Just by accident. It happens to be the perfect... It, it was the perfect setup. Amen? God created the perfect setup for life. The ideal conditions. If any... Do you know if any one of those numbers were off, even by a, a couple of points, we could not have life here. If any of those numbers were off, even a little bit, we would not be able to live. If we were just a little bit closer to the sun, we'd be burnt up. If we were just a little bit farther from the sun, we'd be frozen. There's no, we are exactly in the place, the perfect setup for life. Amen? The earth rotates and the gravity and it keeps things in place and it gives us our days and our nights. And, and, and here's what's even more amazing, the plants and the trees... You, yeah, maybe you guys skipped science class like, like I did. I learned this later on in ministry. But the plants and the trees, everything green, how many know photosynthesis? All right? Everything green, it takes in carbon dioxide to live and it releases oxygen. What a freaking coincidence that we need oxygen to live and we release carbon dioxide. That's not wild. That's the perfect setup. But all this happened by accident. 
God has prepared an environment for us to live, to have everything we physically need to live. And then besides that, besides food and besides, you know, um, air and besides uh, warmth and, and, and besides all those things, he's given us all these extras. How many, how many thank God for the extras? Beauty and joy. We didn't need to have beauty and joy. Fish could have all been the same color, right? Flowers could have all been the same color. You'd be like, oh, oh, you brought me flowers. Nice. They're all the same color. Can you imagine? No, there's no joy in that. There's no beauty in that. Everything good. But he gives us joy. He gives us, how, how, do, how do we say this one? Um, pleasure. God created pleasure. I'm going to spare you the details. But how many of you know that we didn't invent God invented that. Say thank you, God. Thank you, Amen. I mean, he gave us pleasure and joy and fulfillment. It was the perfect setup, man. And and that that and then he he even gave us work and responsibility. You know, even Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them a job. He gave them responsibility. Why? So that we would know accomplishment. So that we would understand purpose. So that we would understand success. Tell somebody, God did that. Amen. We get prideful, man. We make a little bit of money, and then we buy a car that we can't even afford, but we like, you know, we, we, it, it kills me when I see people with fancy cars at the gas station putting $10 in. I'm like, bro, you should have bought a car like mine. You could have filled the tank. Right? But you're stunning, and you can't make that payment. Right? We get so prideful, right, with our success. But, but listen, success is from God. Amen. It's the perfect setup. And, and then, of course, you know how Adam and Eve, you know the whole story, we blew it, right? That one tree. Man, God tells them, you could have, you can eat from any tree in the garden. Every, look, all the way out there, all the way. You can eat from any tree in the garden, anything, except for, you got 99 trees, but this tree ain't one. Amen. He says, the minute you eat from that one tree, you will surely die. And what does Adam and Eve do? They build a tree house on that tree. And little by little by little, our enemy deceives them and they eat it. But, but listen, even after they blew it, even after the fall, God provided a covering for their failure. Oh, this is good preaching. Come on, man. It goes back to the beautiful picture in Genesis when Adam and Eve had fallen and they had disobeyed God and they were naked and afraid. And they were hiding from God. Maybe some of us are there right now, man. We've been hiding from God because of our past. We've been hiding from God because of our shame, because of our guilt. Some of us have made it into church, but even in church, how I many you know church is still a good place to hide from God? People hide from God. And, well, I go to church. So what, man? So what? This church is in you, though. Are you church? Right? And so, so, so maybe we're there, man. Maybe some of us are, are there right now. We're hiding. And just like Adam and Eve, they try to cover themselves with the fig leaves, you know? And a fig leaf makes a really bad outfit. It's itchy. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. It doesn't cover everything like it sh- that needs to be covered. Amen? I mean, maybe there's plus size leaves. Maybe there's different, you know, different leaves and stuff. But it doesn't, it doesn't work, right? And so, and 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 so that, that that's just a picture of of um, the leaves of our culture. You know, is is uh, uh, we trying to cover ourselves with doing good things? You know, oh, if I give that homeless dude a dollar on the street, you know, I feel better about myself. I'm, you know, and you 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 try to cover. It's a fig leaf. We try to cover ourselves with religion. Religion is a fig leaf. You know, and, and we try to cover ourselves. And listen to me, I, this is my opinion, atheism is a fig leaf. It takes faith to be an atheist. You have to believe that everything I just told you happened by accident. That nobody was in charge of that. That takes more faith than it does to believe that there's some God someplace doing some crazy beautiful things. Atheism is a fig leaf. I, I, I don't believe, so I don't have to be accountable. And, and, so, and then I hear people crediting Mother Earth. Oh, you know, it's Mother Earth. Mother Earth. Come on, man. 
Nothing. I, I got pet peeves about this. People start talking about Mother Earth and spiritual guides and the spirit. Listen, listen, listen. If there's no God, there's no spiritual guides. Right? If there's a spirit world, then you're admitting there's a spirit world. There's got to be a God over it. If there's no spirit, then there's no spiritual guide. So there's no tree that's blessing you and there's no leaves that are blessing you. Come on, man. Wake up. But the beauty in Genesis, I'm sorry, I, I went off there. But the beauty in Genesis is that God called them out of hiding. And he clothed them. God provided a covering for their shame. If you're, if you're new to all this, uh, I, I, I just want to tell you again, I want to remind you, God's not this angry old man waiting to catch you dirty. He's also not some mother earth that's not concerned with how you live and how you feel. The picture is more of a loving father waiting to cover you. Waiting to, even if you didn't have a father, even if you don't know what the love of a father is, the picture is a loving father who's there, who's present, who's, who's invested in you, who's spending time with you, who cares for you, and who wants to cover you. With your guilt, from your guilt. And and he wants to provide everything you need to have life and to have it abundant. Anybody need that today? Amen. And so that's the picture that we get uh, of what Peter's talking about here in the verse that we shared last week in in 2 Peter 1.3 where he says, His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his goodness. God has provided for each of us the perfect setup. Amen? And so today, as we uh, follow Peter in the book of Acts, up until this point, we followed him all the way to like chapter 7 already, but I feel the need to kind of come back to the first two chapters and rest there because something so major and so incredible happened in the first two chapters that that I I just feel like we got to rest there. We got to pause there as a church. Something that affects us to this day. In Matthew 16, listen, in Matthew, this is before that book of Acts time. In Matthew 16, Jesus was talking to Peter and Jesus says, I will build my church and the kingdom of hell will not prevail against it. So Jesus says, I will build my church and the kingdom of hell will not. So the church is Christ's idea. Please, if you've never listened to me at all, if you just come here to play games and be on the internet, give me a couple minutes today and just hear this one thing. Amen? And then you could go back to Facebook, you could go back to Instagram, you could do whatever you want to do. But just hear this for the next couple of minutes. The church that was started by Peter and these apostles in the book of Acts, it was God's idea. And, and it was his heart and his per, per, purpose. And it was perfectly set up for us to live and to grow and to have life in. See, a lot of us think church was man's idea. Oh, we just get a bunch of people together and we ask them for a lot of money and pastors get rich and they buy jets and they buy cars. The church was God's idea. Amen? And so if it's God's idea, we should kind of be into it. If it's God's idea, we should be about it. If it was God's heart, we should at least look into it and, and investigate. So let's just do that, okay? So, so we see right here at the start that the church has been growing rapidly, right? It was a big, it started right away. Peter preached his first message. 3,000 people came to the Lord. 3,000 people joined the church. And so we see right at the start that the church grew rapidly and even through opposition. And it grows rapidly. Why? Because the church was healthy. When something is healthy, it grows. How many of you have plants in your house? We're, we're kind of a good, you know, a good, uh, exp- a good, uh, we're plant killers, basically. You know, that's what I'm trying to say. My wife takes me to Home Depot. She makes me buy a lot of plants. And she tells me, no, these are good. It's okay because these will come back next year. So, so it's okay to spend the extra money because these will come back next year. You won't have to buy them again next year. And then next year we go to Home Depot. And she tells me, no, no, these are, these are, these are what is it, perennials or annuals? Perennials come back. 
So whatever. She, these are perennials. They come back every year. Another two hundred dollars in plants, right? And and so anyway, anyway I'm sorry. Where, where, where was I? Something healthy grows. Things that are healthy grow. So we see right at the start, right, that even as the church was growing, there were some issues. Yeah, there were some posers. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Those were people, in case you don't know what, what happened there in the scriptures, these were people who brought gifts to the church, but they were deceivers and manipulators. And, and there's a lesson there. Listen, not everyone who brings giftings to the church is here to bless the church. And so what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, they, they came with their gifts, they lied, and they died. Like Old Testament style. They lied and died. Like that. They lied to the Spirit and, boom, dropped dead. Read it. It's, it's, it's a great, it's a great uh, passage. And <laughs> so it shows us, listen, listen. It shows us that when God was forming the church, He wanted to show them and show us by including the story in the Scriptures that He was serious about the church. When Ananias and Sapphira lied to the church, Peter said they lied to the Spirit of God. Listen, listen. Give me a couple more minutes. When they lied to the church, Peter said they lied to... So, see, whatever you do or say about the church, you say about God. Oh, man. Think about that. Whatever you say about the church, you say about God. Whenever we see things like this happen in the scriptures, we have to stop and reflect. Like, you know, a lot of people tell me, oh man, you know, I can't serve a God that, that would kill entire, you know, people and that would kill women and children. I can't serve a God. Well, you know what? Whether you serve him or not, he's still God. So if that happened, it's best that you investigate and find out what was in the heart of God. Why? Were all these people killed? Why was Ananias and Sapphira? All they did was tell a little bit, of, a little lie. They, they brought gifts, and, but they lied about it just a little bit, and they died. Why is God? People say, that's harsh, man. And so what we find is that God is dead serious about the mission of his church. You still with me? So, so he wanted it to start with pure hearts and pure motives. No funny business. So these two came in with wrong motives and they died in the presence of a, of a spirit-filled church. See, church, when the Spirit of God is alive and present in the church, wrong motives get called out. Amen? When the Spirit is alive and present in the church, wrong motives get shut down. And you can say, but wait a minute, there's giftings there and there's uh, wrong motives get shut down in the presence of God. And so for a little while, the word says people had a healthy respect for church. Because <laughs> people started dropping dead. So people had a healthy respect for church. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you walked in here today with wrong motives, and you, like, whispered in the back, that pastor's stupid, and you dropped dead, boom. And then the person next to you stand up, he just said you were stupid, and he died. <laughs> what would happen? There'd be a healthy respect in the church for, for <laughs> amen? For the leadership of the church, there'd be a healthy respect for a little while. People will forget, but there'd be a healthy respect, right? And so at this point, this church in Jerusalem is, there are thousands, so they're at mega church status. Like, Joel Osteen is showing up there. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. They're mega church status, right? And so people are still being added to the church, and it's a beautiful start from the church. From, from chapters 1 and 2 to now, at this point where we are, they began to gather together, man, and they would share everything with each other, man. They would bring their money together. They'd bring their clothes, their appliance. They'd bring everything, and, and whoever didn't have would share, and whoever had too much would give, and it was just amazing, the church. And what's awesome is that these people were from different places, you know? They weren't all Dominicans. They weren't. So, so they were Puerto Ricans and Mexicans. Even Mexicans. <laughs> and there were all these people groups together and we loved each other. And some of them didn't even understand because you know Mexican Spanish and Dominican Spanish is totally different, right? Totally. You think we're speaking the same? We're not. It's, uh, wait, you just told me to do what? <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what I meant. Hold up. <laughs> 
But, but the early church, all these people were together and they loved each other and they cared for each other and they looked out for one another and they met together and they shared. They broke bread. They had dinner all the time. They got to, it wasn't just a Sunday thing back then. It was they did life together. They, they had the, why? Because they had the same spirit of God in them. They were different from different places, different land, but they had the same spirit of God in them. That unifies us. Come on. And so people share with one another. They share their finances, their goods, their skills, their talents. And listen, I believe it pleased the heart of God. And I believe, church, that that is still the very heart of God for the church today. This is radical, man. This is crazy preaching. I believe this is still the heart of God for the church today. And I I really believe I can say that studying with biblical accuracy because when we... I'm going to prove it to you for for those Bereans in here that you want to make sure I back it up with Scripture. I'm, I'm going to do that. When we read through the Gospels, Jesus made it clear what his heart was for the church. Right? And it was to love one another. He went as far as to make a new commandment. That's not crazy. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you. John 13, 34. For those of you that never read it before. John 13, 34, he says, a new commandment. He was talking to his apostles and his followers, his disciples. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so also you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus didn't have a stuttering problem, but he said it again and again and again in the same, I've loved you, so you must love me, so I can love you, we love each other, so we love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He said, I want to make sure you guys get it. And so, if that wasn't enough for us to take this more seriously than anything else, I mean, think about it. He never made, he didn't make anything else a commandment. Jesus never made anything else a commandment. That, that should say something to us, right? He, he, and, but, but, but the church, how come the church is so judgmental about everything else and we ignore this? When did that happen? When did we become so judgmental about everything else? We're looking at people, oh, that guy drinks, that guy drinks. That guy curses, oh my God. That guy curses so much. Oh, that, led you, that girl, she still smokes. Yeah, I don't know, she still smokes. Yeah, she says she go to church, but she still smokes. I see her outside smoking. And those two, those two are living together, and they're not even married. I know she's sleeping with her man. I know, I know he's sleeping. All right, and we're so judgmental about everything else. Now, now, let me clear something up. Don't misunderstand me and don't misquote me. I'm not saying any of that is okay. I'm not saying that we shouldn't worry about those things. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, don't take a clip out of this. I am not saying, oh, that because the grace of God, you could do whatever you like. No. I'm not saying you can live any way you want and God accepts it and he's fine with it. I am not saying that. I'm not saying our sins do not grieve the heart of God. I'm not saying that, that the way we live, when we live in, the way that God doesn't want for us, it grieves the heart of God because it does. But why aren't we worried about breaking the one commandment that he gave us? And we're so concerned with everything else. The one commandment that he gave us. And, and if, if that wasn't enough to show us that this was the heart of God, we get another glimpse right after that. When Jesus was getting ready to lay, lay down his life for the church. There's a recorded prayer in John 17. Mark that in your Bibles. John 17. There's a recorded prayer. And so we get this insight into the heart of God. Think about this. If God would pray, what would God pray? Isn't that a great question? What would God pray if he had to pray? And so because of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, because because God in himself is community, and that's why he called us to be community, it's three in one, it's all of us in one, we get to hear here God praying to God. And so in John 17, here Jesus shares with the apostles that he's praying for them. And the main point of that prayer is found in John 17, Starting in verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. 
Not just the apostles. He's saying, but I pray also for those that will believe in me through their message. That's us. Say, that's me. I'm praying, my prayer is also for those that would believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is earth shattering for a Christian if you really get this in your mind. The, let me give it to you from the message Bible so you get the paraphrase and sometimes that's a little easier to understand. I encourage you if you only read the message Bible to read another version too so you get a, a good balance. Amen. So John 17 says it this way in the message. He says, I'm praying not only for them but also for those who believe in me because of them. That's us. And the goal is for all of them to become one heart and one mind. Just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. I gave us. So that... You and, and so that you would be unified together as we are, I and them and you and me. And then they'll be mature in this oneness. And the godless world, they'll give the godless world evidence that you sent me. Wow. Jesus was getting ready to endure the cross that you and I can be forgiven and learn to be forgivers. And he prays for two things. Hear this, please. I'm almost done. Biggest lie a pastor ever says. I'm almost done. He prays two things, basically. He, he prays for our protection. He says, listen, I've given them your word and the world has hated them. And then he says, as you sent me, I send them. Listen to how heavy that is. He was sent to be forgiveness. He was sent to, to, to pay for what he didn't do. He was sent to be the payback of sins. He was sent to, to, to forgive the world. And he says, as, I, as you sent me, I send them. Whoa. And he prays for our unity. He prays for our protection and he prays for our unity that we would be one. He goes as far as to say that our maturity in this oneness will be the evidence that the world needs. Please hear this. Our love for one another will be the evidence that the world needs that you love them. So Jesus is saying, even after he goes and endures the cross, even after he goes with his blood to pay the sin debt that man has worked up, even after he's crucified like a sinner for sins that he didn't commit, he's saying it won't be the cross that will serve as evidence. This sounds blasphemous. It won't be the resurrection that will be the proof. It won't be the post-resurrection sightings after when I appear to people that I'm still alive. It won't be that. He's saying it won't be the word that will turn people to God. So it won't be the cross. It won't be the resurrection. It won't be the post-resurrection sightings. And it won't be the word. It'll be our love for one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. As we're, as we're challenging people to experience the love of God here at TSF, we have to understand that the love of God is not some mystical fairy dust that falls from the sky in this building. The tangible love of the, the thing that's going to provide evidence to the world, the thing that shows the godless world evidence that Jesus sent us, that Jesus came, that he died for us, that he forgave us, that we could be one with him, is the tangible love that we'll have for one another. If you're visiting today or you just started watching online for the first time, the reason I'm pausing to reflect here is because God wants a healthy church. 
And our culture, more and more, the millennials and, and the other generation and, and the culture here, we're more and more, we're quoted everywhere saying, we love God, we love Jesus, we love being spiritual, but we hate the church. We hate the church. More and more, there's a generation that's saying, as long as we love God, we don't have to love the church. As long as we love God, we don't have to be part of the church. And so people are, are having devotions at home. And people are, are worshiping. And I understand that comes from a place of hurt. That comes from a place of offense. That comes from a place of, of there are some places that just refuse to, to change. And they're just so legalistic and so religious that it hurts to be in that church. And so the world sees that. So I understand, you know, that some places are so damaged that they continue these patterns of the hurt and abuse. And so that sounds reasonable. That sounds plausible. Well, I can worship at home. I can worship in the car. I can listen to Osteen. I can listen to 16 televangelists online. I can hear eight messages this week. And I don't have to be part of any church. I don't have to go to any church. I, if I want to, if I want to tithe, if I feel that that's biblical, I can send money to some place. And I don't have to go to any church. I can love God. I just don't like the church. Here's the issue with that. According to the scriptures, Ephesians 5, 25, 27, Revelations 19, 7 and 9, the church is the bride of Christ. And so when we speak poorly about the church, we're speaking of the one that Jesus calls his wife. I don't, I don't know how many husbands in here would be good with that. I love you, but your wife is ugly. I love you, but I can't stand your wife. She's mean. Your wife's not nice. Your wife is boring. Your wife is ugly. Your wife is not loving. Your wife is angry. Your wife is only nice to certain people. Your wife is fake. Your wife doesn't like everybody else. Your wife just wants our money. Your wife doesn't care about anybody. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. <laughs> Worship team, come on, come. Family, I really need you to hear this today. I've been sharing the word of God at the sanctuary for almost 11 years. This is sermon number 349. No, no, I don't, I don't, that's not to get applause. Big deal. I'm, I'm telling you that because I want you to know I had every one of those sermon notes in my Dropbox online. And, and if you look down the entire list from one, from the first service that we had in my living room, if you look down the entire list, the only sermon title that I've ever repeated, and I've repeated it a couple of times, not the same message, but the same title, it was Risking Church. And I, I preached that message with the, fir the first time back in 2007, and I got the title from a book that I had read at the time, and having come out of some difficult church experiences that were hurting and damaging to me, So, so coming into this, I want you to understand, coming into this, I knew that doing church was a risk. I understood that risking church meant being vulnerable. It meant being open. It meant being truthful. It meant depending on one another. I knew that risking church, it means dropping all the masks and all the BS and, and just being an authentic follower of Christ. And I knew that people are going to talk about you. Naysayers are going to naysay. Haters are going to hate. 
I know that people are going to test you. I knew that people are going to try you. I knew that people are going to push you, that people are going to hurt you, that people might hurt your family, that people might push your family, that people might use your family against you, that people might get in between you and your family, that people might get in between friends, that people might bring division, that people might cause pain. And I decided to do it anyway. And I believe that's why God gave us the name, The Sanctuary. God said this will be a sanctuary for people that have been hurt, for people that have been damaged, for people... Listen, my heart has always been this. My, I've, I've always had to confess this. I don't have a, a heart for evangelism, like to go out to the streets and reach the Lord. My heart has always been for those that have tried church and left. Because to me, those people are twice lost. Those people have no hope. They, they already tried church, so they think they already tried God. They tried church. They didn't try God. But some church damaged them. Some church hurt them. Some pastor was a jerk and, and, and treated them badly. Some, some ministry team hurt them and, and, and hurt their family and, and did all these horrible things to them. And so they left the church. And so in their mind, my life, they might be going through hard times, but in their mind they say, but I already tried the church. And that didn't work. So my heart is, is, is for them. And the beautiful thing is I have people on staff that are, have a heart for evangelism for the lost because we have to be all about that. But, but, but God puts certain things on people's hearts. Amen? So guess what? It's year 11 and people still talking. And people still testing. And people still pushing. And I'll continue to share this until I'm no longer able to. Because the more I read the word and the more I see God's heart for us, the more convinced I am that the greatest responsibility we have as a church, and at times the hardest, is to love one another. It could be a church of 25 people. There'd be people in there that get on your nerves. It could be a church of 15 people and 11 of them are your family. And there'd be people in there you don't want to talk to. And so as the numbers multiply, everything multiplies. And so I'm just warning you, if you come back in six weeks and you hear us talking about love again, and you say, okay, he's talking about love again, John 13, 34, John 17, I get it, you're probably still missing it. You might know where it is in the scripture, but it's not in you yet. Last week I shared Hebrews 12, 15, what I started with again to today. See to it that nobody misses the grace of God. And to me that was so convicting and so powerful. But, but listen, when I found this scripture last week, for some reason the second half of that verse was hidden from me. And I, I say that it's kind of mystical because the, I, I, I never just take one little scripture and preach on it. I'll read around it. I'll read before it. I'll read after it. I'll read it in the NIV, in the King James, in the message. I'll read a commentary or two. I never just cherry pick a, a, a scripture and throw it out there. But for some reason, this scripture, the second half of it was, was, was hidden from me. And I see why. So this week, the whole sentence came alive to me. Hebrews 12.15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and by it many are defiled. See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many are defiled. The message says, Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. Because one thistle or two gone to seed can ruin an entire garden in no time. Family, I truly believe God has created the perfect setup for us in, by giving us the church. And it's the perfect setup for growth, for life, for fun, for fellowship, for friendships. So many people have found their husbands and wives up in here. I feel like I'm going to a wedding every weekend. It's a beautiful place, but it's also a risk. And sometimes we get hurt, and sometimes we get offended, and sometimes we feel all alone in a room full of people. 
But I want to tell you today, if you allow a bitter root to grow, where we can no longer love and no longer enjoy and have life or do life together, we have to do something about it. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden. What am I saying? What am I asking? Family, for some of us that might mean we might have to start again. There might be some relationships that are so damaged, that are, have gone cold for so long, we might have to start again. We might have to start fresh with some people. We might have to try again to mend, to work together. And you can say, but I've done that. I've done it five times. I've been here five years and I've done it five times. I've been here 10 years and I've done it 10 times. And still, we'll do it again. I'm, I'm really, I'm saying it's that important. It was the one commandment that Jesus gave us, that we would love one another. So if you've tried it before, I'm saying we have to try it again. Ask, listen, that might, you might have to ask for forgiveness. Even if you think you didn't do nothing wrong. You might have to ask for a do-over. No matter how many times we've tried before, family, it's time to fix things and make things right. This might go into your families, this might go into your other relationships, but, but I'm talking about the church as well. We have to fix things. We have to make things right. Because listen, bitterness destroys, but there's a solution. Humility. There's a solution. It's forgiveness. Don't let the seed... Listen, if you need to come to the front right now, if you've been hurt by the church, if you've been damaged, if you want to start things fresh, if you want to start over, just come, just walk to the front, man. There's no magic here, but it's just an act of saying, I'm getting up and I'm walking forward because I'm moving forward. I'm moving ahead. But I want to tell you, do not let that seed take root in you any longer. Don't let that seed that was planted somewhere or by someone take root here in this church. Because it brings destruction and it brings division. And I don't have to tell you that it's not from God. It's from the enemy. And so if you let that bitter root grow in you, it's from the enemy. And it'll destroy you and it'll destroy us. So if you've been hurt, come. If you want to make things new, come. If you want a fresh start, come. I'm not going to ask the prayer teams to come. I'm not going to ask anybody. This, this is personal. This is between you and God. Ain't nobody here going to fix that for you. This has to be you. If there's unresolved issues, come. If you're ready to let things go and start fresh, come. But listen. Listen, this is the last thing I'll say. If you can't do that here, then I'm going to ask you, find another church where you can do that. And I say that in love. I say that with a, with, a, with a hurt heart. Find another place where you can grow, where you can find love, where you can start fresh, and where you can be um, um, just walking this thing. If you cannot do that here. For your health, and for the health of the church as a whole. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.